my grandmother would come over all the time with she'd watch the cooking shows like hey i i tried this i saw this on the cooking show and she'd just bring food over and she would submit recipes to the local paper to where the the uh, one of the editors who who did specifically the food section came to her 90th birthday party because she <laughs> she had submitted so many recipes so it was it there was always this love of of food from scratch and everything was very much about love and family through food i think that's why that's always been there for me Hello and welcome to You Can Do It, Do It, a podcast about people whose lives have been transformed by trying something new. Today, we're joined by Shane Matlock of Burgundian Coffee and Waffles in and around Providence, Rhode Island. So my name is Shane Matlock. I own the Burgundian Coffee and Waffles. Uh, We right now are a mobile food business. We have a food truck. We have a pop-up. We have a British double-decker bus. We're very focused on... uh, specialty coffee. So we, we mostly work with Borealis coffee roasters out of Riverside. Uh, our launch pad main product is called the Liege waffle. It's the street food waffle of Belgium. And then we were really, we call ourselves purveyors of the Burgundian lifestyle, which is a term that goes back centuries in Belgium, meaning someone who loves food and drink in both quality and quantity shared amongst friends. Yeah, it's awesome. Yep, what a and great. we tr- we travel all over. Uh, we travel all over with our mobile units. So we we sell our products to breweries. We go as far north as, as Boston. We go out to Charlton Sturbridge. Uh, we have a, a event in March in Connecticut. Our first mm-hmm. event in Connecticut. We go all over Rhode Island. I mean, that's yeah. that's where the, the Rhode Island Attleboro sort of that border area is where we started, and and mm-hmm. we just travel, travel, spread the good word of the of the waffles and the Burgundians. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I remember the first time I met you actually was probably about two, two and a half years mm-hmm. ago in Hope Artiste Village. You had a little thing set up and you were selling waffles. Oh, yeah. There. And the first thing you said was, our waffles are really good. You should have some. Also, we're getting this two like double decker British double decker <laughs> bus that we're going to start serving out of. We're not yeah. going to be here forever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, what I, I thought two things One, I was like, wow, what an incredible vision. But two was like, how on earth are you going to, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can't believe what a dream. Yeah. Um, and you guys are actually coming pretty close to realizing that dream, right? Or yes, yes, we, we have, it should have been realized before. Uh, you know, I, I wish I, I wish I had a, a chief, um, you know, bad cop to go and yell at the British, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> throw their tea off a boat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but they have taken an astronomical amount of time on this bus. So I, mm-hmm. I, I got the bus, I purchased it in England. I did a big Kickstarter for it, sent the funds over there, which was the, the uh, second 25% of the funds of the bus, mm. uh, worked with a bank to get a loan. And, and the bus has just been this extremely slow methodical process with this company. So it's in England. Mm. So I don't have the, the, the site on it necessarily. Yeah. I get these picture updates, but they've just ran into issues. They've had to rebuild the engine, rebuild the chassis. They've had to pull sort of the structure of, of the, the base cafe and the bottom floor out four times to kind of wow. redo things. And so it's just been a really long process, but it's finally, like you said, it's knock on wood. It's finally <laughs> almost, almost here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, have so they been they charging are. you for those repairs and stuff? Or are they no. Just, okay, good. No. Yeah. No, on, on our contract, it was, you know, price isn't going to fluctuate up right, or down. Right. So they're, uh, I, I can't imagine that they're going to make any money off this bus, Seriously. to be fully honest. Yeah. But they've had it for, you know, it's going to be two years uh, that, that they've had it. I yeah, said, I could yeah. build a house with my own two hands, and I don't know how to build a house. <laughs> right, yeah. I could YouTube how to build a house in right? two years. I would have it done. Yeah. Yeah. So it's coming overseas soon. Yeah. Or? So it should be shipping over at some point this summer. Um, awesome. Yeah. You know, they've, they've, they've blown their, their deadline a few times. So yeah. every time they tell me that's this date, I'm like, w- when it gets here, it's going to get here. Right. But I, I really can't wait for it. It's going to be so much fun to have that thing here. And it's, you know, it's fully enclosed and they're putting air conditioning in there, heating. Wow. So we can have it year round, you know, wow. a place like Providence, you, you're not yeah. going to be able to just have an open top double decker bus. So, right. right. So we've really put in a lot of, intricacies you know the tables are made from reclaimed wood from an old church that's older than the united states i mean just little details like that that we've really tried to incorporate into the bus now you as like a a marketing person are you thinking about like the types of things like the ancillary products about the bus like the the book about like the making of the bus Mm. the 
the photographs and this kind of museum type stories or gallery wall of like the progress. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, so w- one, one thing that I think is, is really unique, you know, whenever I started this, I, I, I sort of got the concept when I was living in France. And then when I went back during my time with Colette, I saw this, this five-star traveling double-decker bus glass top roof, you know, much, much fancier than the bus that, that mine's going to be. I mean, this thing had to be four or 500,000 wow. and it, you know, it travels around Paris for two and a half hours and it's a five-star dining experience with mm. five course, you know, it's, it's crazy. But, <laughs> but I thought there's got to be a way to take this two story concept and sort of fuse that with food trucks, yeah. you know, so do that. That's always been one of my, my principles of, of businesses do something similar to what people are doing and yet do it radically different right mm-hmm. at the same time and so with the food truck industry just booming i said you know what why doesn't this work something like this has to work so i did some research there's really three or four companies that are doing double decker bus cafes most of them are are uh, permanent or, or they're they're just there right there's one in Asheville, north carolina that mm. there's no wheels anymore it's just set in the ground mm-hmm. huh. but there's one sort of like a, a diner almost yeah, yeah it's like a diner right i yeah. mean it's a little bit higher roof so so it couldn't clear a lot of the bridges like like mine will be able to but oh, yeah okay. you can get they they sort of built a courtyard around yeah, it yeah, yeah. and there's one in oklahoma city that is a coffee shop that travels around randomly the guy went to college with my sister (laughs) wow (laughs) of course why not and so i went down and spent some time with him and and so (laughs) closing that loop of the story i i saw on the top part of the bus the way he he sort of told the story of here's when where we found it here's how it looked Hmm. here's the pro you know getting on a bus and they did the work here so so it was this whole story of the progress i'm like this is this is brilliant. You know, he's not only is our people enjoying this atmosphere, but then they're able to see the entire story of how it gets there. And that's one of the things that really imparted me to, you know, you've got to have a good story or be able to tell that good story to, to just continue your success, you know? And that's part of the draw. Like, you know, when, when I think about the types of businesses where I'm like, you know, really wanting to recommend that somebody come with me, like, you know, good food is half of the story, but the other half, I remember one of the, the first food truck that I went to in Providence was Haven Brothers. Yeah. Right. It's of like course. An institution. <laughs> but the, the first one that I went to where I was like, you guys have to come was actually Poco Loco. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Because they used to park over on Knight Street. Mm-hmm. I lived in the West End and um, they'd be like out randomly and somebody took me and I was like, what? I've never had good food from a mm-hmm. truck. Mm-hmm. What on earth is this? Like maybe eight or nine years ago. Yeah. And, um, so we went out and then I had roommates. I'm like, you guys got to check this. Like, we got to go to the taco yeah. truck tonight. So like we ventured outside and went there and it was like this kind of like novelty, you know, not only did they have, you know, pretty good tacos, mm-hmm. you know, PBJ and pork peanut butter jelly. You're like what? Pork, black beans, <laughs> jalapeno. But it was like this, like, you know, kind of fun experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, you know, think about inviting people to, to come check out your your double decker bus, right? There's yeah. that same, it sort of scratches that same experience itch yeah. of like, yeah, there's this like really cool kind of crazy thing this guy's doing yeah. where you can, it's like a mobile cafe. Like we don't know where it's going to pop up. Yeah. You don't know where it's going to show up. It's great. Yeah. Um, and but, you can see it from a di- like, Oh my God, yeah. that yeah, there it is. There's right. the, there's the bus. And so and, yeah, you're really not going to be able to clear under certain bridges in the state. We, this one we will be able to. Oh, cool. Okay. So there are, you know, one of the many things you sort of uncover is you're, you're talking <laughs> mm-hmm. and luckily I found it out ahead of time is that there are a couple different levels of double decker buses in England. And one of them, I didn't realize semi, you know, 18 wheeler semi trucks are 13, six. That's sort of the, the standard height requirement for, for any truck. So this bus meets that requirement where most of them are 14, four, if you, if you go to England. So it's, it's a little bit tighter, you know, and, and people who are about five, nine or higher are not going to be able to just stand up you know, up, upright in the yep. bus, but you know, there's, there's tables, there's benches, or there's a window outside for, for people to order. And so yeah. we're going to try to tie it in where people can sit and take it away or yeah. 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 So it's, it's going to be nice and cozy in there, but it'll, it'll, yeah. it's going to be really cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, the experience is incredible. It also, I mean, just this whole setup just feels very ambitious. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what drove you to want to like build something like this, you know? You know, I, my mom, my wife, they, they'd all tell me everything that I do, I want to do it extremely big. Sometimes <laughs> that's that works well for me. Sometimes that's to my detriment. But yeah. everything I, I do is just I want I, I, I never want to do something small. It's like, let's just swing for the fences. 
I always am driven to doing something that other people aren't doing yet. Mm. And so the bus just, you know, I, yeah. I just th- sort of read something. It just sort of connected these dots. And then it really started forming when I was in Paris on that, that other bus. And so I just, I don't know. I was like, I, I've got to do this. I, I don't know. There, there's, there's just something inside of me. It's like, I've got to do something big. I don't want to just start a business to keep this little section of, of a, of a shop. I mean, that's fine for those, those that want to do it. That's a a lot of people and you can make a great living and impact your community with that. Mm. But that's just not, not who I am. And and I I would just get bored so easily. My mind just never, never, ever stops Mm. thinking about these. I've already got 7,000 other big ideas for the next three years. There's no way the double decker is the end of it. If that's the case. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) Quadruple decker. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I'm coming after you, Superman, Billy. No, just kidding. (laughs) Every floor has a kitchen. Just outputting waffles. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, ten, it's the first 10 story waffles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very fun. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's where the, the bus bus idea came from is, is just, just wanting to do something big and unique. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I kind of look at, look at things from, from that big desire standpoint mm-hmm. as well as almost a practical, what's going to work in the market standpoint. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons why I started the waffle was, it's so unique, right? So for everybody listening that doesn't know what it is, it's not a liquid batter waffle that we all grew up with. It's not mm. an ego. It's not what we call a Belgium waffle. It's a yeasted dough ball mm. with pearl sugars that are mixed inside the dough. Mm. And it's risen with yeast. And whenever the waffle cooks, those pearl sugars caramelize on the outside of it. Mm. So if you ever go to Belgium, Paris, a lot of these places, these are the street food waffles there. Mm-hmm. And it's so just different. It's a complex, it's much more brioche dough like, mm-hmm. and I fell in love when I lived in France for three years. So we, we had this market down the street from us and I, I just got hooked on this waffle every time. I'm like, what is this? This little old guy, Bernard and his wife would just cook these up. Mm-hmm. So I'd get a waffle, sit down at the cafe tables with a cafe au lait and just watch the whole market scene pass me by. And it was mm. just this deep nostalgia, incredible experience. And so as I was getting ready the, with the bus, it was always coffee bus. What do I do? What food mm. do I offer? I saw bam, PV donuts, bam, knee donuts. Mm. Look at these guys. They're creating this unique food dough based product that I'm mm. like, PV donuts is throwing some fried some not fried chicken but some buffalo chicken for the super bowl i'm like what are they doing right and so i i kind of looked at that and said there's there's a market or an avenue to take the waffle that nobody out here knows yet unless they've been to new york city or, or on the west coast and do it and be the first one in rhode island to do it because a lot of people here love a really good food trend mm. and yet food trends sometimes hit here a little bit later than the West coast or New York city. Yeah. So that's how, how the waffle sort of came to the forefront of, of, uh, the product. And so I went back to Belgium and learned how to make it oh. officially. And then brought oh, so it you actually in. learned there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So did you need a certification similar to like the, uh, the Italian pizza makers? Oh, I wish they had that. That would be good. You know what? I should, I should just make it yeah. whether it's legitimate or not. Here's the certificate. I mean, Officiel de Waffel. <laughs> I'm not going to look into it. So I would believe you. You went to Belgium, got, uh, got waffle, waffle certified. Waffle I got trained. waffle certified. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And came back here. And was it just instantly you started making waffles and figuring out how to sell them? Like what was the process to actually instantly get into doing no. it? <laughs> so, so I actually, I, I did, I developed my own recipe and, and I started it for a couple months and, you know, we would sell at the Attleboro farmer's market. Uh, we started going to stock, yeah. uh, culinary goods. We did Borealis coffee and, and I just, I, I, I enjoyed the flavor, but I did not like the process. I knew I was being wildly inefficient with mm. my process and, and so that's when I, I decided I started contacting some of my, uh, contacts from my time at Colette tours, uh, yeah. in Europe and was able to kind of weave my way around and find this old gentleman named Jean-Pierre, of course, <laughs> who's been making waffles for 40 some years. Wow. And so we went out there. So it was sort of a combo tour. We went and met the people that were outfitting the double decker bus, took the train over mm got to revisit our, our old town where, uh, where, where we had lived for a few years and then, mm. and then went and trained to make the, the waffles. And by the time I got back, it was just this like, bing, you know, the, mm. I, I, I took that and then I tweaked it back to the flavor that I wanted, mm. but 
use the majority of their process to save a significant amount of time and, and waste and, and right. energy so I could be that much more proficient at what, what I was doing. And that's when it really, really scaled up and took off. Yeah. Yeah. So are you still working out of Hope in Maine? Is that- we are yeah. for, for uh, a, a very short period. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we're, we're, you know, all, all things, if, if everything goes well this summer, we'll be in our own place. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Are you allowed to uh, say where that is yet or should you want to keep it's, it? It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. No, it's, it's so I actually, like I said, I, I live in Attleboro. Um, so there's a, a place downtown that was, uh, was a, a, a beer bar oh, cool. essentially. And so we are taking that over and, uh, and I can kind of get a little bit later into what, what I've always wanted the Burgundian brand itself to be, mm-hmm. um, cause I've never wanted it to be associated with just waffles. Right. So right. it's much more about a lifestyle. And so we are actually converting this into, let's say the Burgundian meets Bayberry meets seven stars. If, if that hmm, makes yeah. sense. So it's because yeah. there's, if, if you look outside of Boston, if you look outside of Providence, and, and, you know, a few parts of Pawtucket, there's really not a lot of great local coffee places around where mm-hmm. if you go somewhere in Kansas, I mean, you go in the, the smallest town, you know, my brother lives there. If you go to the smallest little town there, they're going to have a really cool hip coffee, coffee place. Same mm-hmm. if Oregon, Washington places in California. And, and that doesn't really pervade around here as much. The fact that Smithfield doesn't have a really specialty coffee shop baffles mm. me, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, so I look at that and say, well, Adel, downtown Attleboro has this train station. Twenty five hundred people commute every day. It's right by ninety five four ninety five, and they've got about five hundred apartment rooms, commuter apartments that are being built up right there. Yeah. And there's not one place to get a really good cup of coffee, hmm. and very few places to get a really good craft beer. And so we're sort of combining those, those two things. We're going to expand our menu and, uh, and also use it as a uh, commissary kitchen. So I am really excited about that. Yeah. Are, are you going to host other like smaller businesses to cook in the kitchen? Or? Yeah. D- different times. I mean, we, yeah. we, we will have our, our own menu. We'll have our own chef, uh, as well, but it's going to be much more small plate, uh, unique food. And what, what the, what the concept is, is, you know, like I just mentioned, I went to Belgium and I learned how to make this waffle. Right. Yeah. And, and I took a street food that was relatively common in a certain area and we brought it back and showed it to an area that didn't know that street food. So the goal is to take that concept and sort of extrapolate it over and over with different products around the world, around mm. things, street food and just traditional food, not, not crazy, you know, tweezers type of <laughs> type right. of meal, yeah, right. but just take unique specialty food and bring it, bring it to a forefront. You know, that's, that's what the Burgundian is all about is bringing people together over different foods, different drinks, different mm. community and, and ideas and just having a place to belong and, and, you know, have a, a crossroads of that. I think one of the, the observations that was made about PV donuts, um, you know, a few months ago was, I think Lori said it where she was like, you know, we're, you know, we make donuts, but we're basically a bakery. We're mm-hmm. like, we're a full service bakery and mm-hmm. we put it on a donut. Yeah. Right. And one of the <laughs> things that I've, I've felt is true about the, the waffles that you make and sell out of the truck is like, you're a restaurant on top of a waffle, yeah. right? Like the, yeah. the types of things that you offer, like it's, it's actually good quality food that would mm-hmm. taste great on its own, mm-hmm. like separate from the waffle. Yeah. Then you put it with the waffle and it's just like, Oh man, it's like, it's like a treat and it's a meal yeah, at exactly. the same time. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm, I'm very excited about this concept to kind of see like the, the natural separation of some of these things, mm-hmm. right? Like to where you can, you know, really test out your, your skills in the kitchen that are outside of waffles and, yeah. and do, you know, some, some great, you know, small plates or shared plates mm-hmm. and, you know, combine it in this, yeah yeah, this new way. You know, it's kind of tough to do in a food truck, right? Yeah, it is. It is. You know, the food Mm -hmm. truck gets, it it hits a certain point where you just can't do do anything else with it. And, you know, we really have tried to push the bounds with a lot of, like like you said, the toppings that we do. You know, right now, our February (laughs) special is a short rib ragu Mm -hmm. uh, that that we do with, we make our own little Parmesan crisps that we we put on top of that. And it's it's outstanding. It's on the wall. But yeah, there's only a certain point. There's only a certain amount of space in a food truck that you can keep doing those type of things. So, yeah. so it's, how do we 
disassociate Burgundian from the word waffle because mm-hmm. that's never been the goal. Waffle is just one of the things that we do. And, and how do we, how do we really expand the Burgundian to mean what it's, what it's it, it meant to mean, you know, that, it, that it means in Belgium that it's been meaning for, for centuries, you know, what do you have your sights on for a food outside of waffles next? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just to give a, a couple examples, I mean, you know, we're going to kind of do some regional food, you know, and again, just, just to, to backtrack a lot of this is really driven from from myself from from what what my heart always craves it's it's food it's going out to local places it's travel it's experiencing every single destination that i can often through the lens of food and drink right so that's that's how i always travel that's how we do in like the louvre i don't care but let's walk around <laughs> hey you see that cafe let's sit down and see what <laughs> see what's there yeah exactly so so you know it's it's going to be you know i grew up in idaho and one of the specialties out there is finger steaks and nobody out here knows finger steaks. It's really honestly, extremely basic, but, but you, you take, uh, oftentimes I grew up, you know, my uncle was a hunter. We used venison, but, or a really good cut of beef and you cut them in strips about the size of a finger and you marinate it and, and batter overnight and, and you fry it up and, and they look like fingers. And then you use this, it's essentially fry sauce, right? It's yeah. uh, mm. you know, ketchup, mayo, Worcestershire, Worcestershire, how are you saying? Oh, I'm never going to say that. Right. <laughs> but you know, that there's an example, bam, here's something from Idaho that's unique that we can take and pair and make an Idaho cocktail or, or something like that. Right. And here's uh, you know, we'll, we'll do poutine or we'll do, you know, one of our, our typical sandwiches will be a piadina, right? Which is a, a flatbread. It's essentially just, just a, a small pizza dough that's put into an oven. It's very thin, crisp, and you wrap it over a sandwich. It's, it's, it's a sandwich, right? It's a different, but it's, it's, uh, it's an Italian tradition that people do. And so it's, it's just sort of incorporating those unique things of, of bringing something unique on the forefront of people to go, huh? I didn't know that. This is cool. This is delicious. It's it's yeah. not this wild, fancy seven course meal. That's not what we're doing. It's f- food and drink in both quality and quantity. That's that's what it's about. So those are just a couple examples of a an ever growing, expanding menu and spreadsheet that I have of all these different foods that we want to try <laughs> and. And, and again, I think we're really going to try to focus on a certain region at a certain point and sort of tie in that f- bringing food from from a destination and also returning with with those funds every year or every half a year to to give back to that destination you know so so this cyclical process i love that you're i mean it's it's really interesting that you're pulling something from idaho too because i mean my assumption you know you're you're pulling something from like belgium and you said Mm -hmm. uh, france also has these waffles as well um but it doesn't have to just be overseas not like everything that you could possibly exactly enjoy and bring people together with with food has to be like some other country so it's kind of cool that like yeah I've never heard of finger steaks. They sound delicious. Like, yeah, I would love to. Oh, they're, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, essentially it's not fried chicken, it's fried, fried steak, but it's it's just a little different seasoning, a little, I mean, if you Google it, you'd be like, wow, I know finger steaks. What the heck is this about? Right. Right. It's fun. And it's just, just something that, that I, I think, we, we live in a connected and yet extremely disconnected world. Mm. And I think whenever you look at it, at a, a television show, if you look at any of these travel shows, that last step of seeing the food, seeing the destination is, well, I can't try it. Right. Mm. So what if a place said, let's try it. Let's, let's bring it and actually give that experience. And as I mentioned, I I think there's, I always try to look at it as a practical, how are consumers responding to things right now? Mm. And I think consumers have a little bit of ADHD, Mm. uh, especially as I go to all these breweries, everybody's like, you know, all these breweries are changing up their beers all the time. I mean, every day it's a new beer. Flagship beers are changing year after year for breweries. Mm -hmm. It's because people get a little bit bored with if you're just doing the same thing and that's all you're doing. And so it's constantly rotating and you see the restaurants like Rogue Island and Mm -hmm. Bayberry that get that and they're constantly changing the menu. There's not a, this is the food we serve as much as this is the brand. And then within that, we constantly are rotating our menu. So people keep coming back, coming back, coming back. And so that's, that's the practical side of, of how I'm sort of viewing that as well. And the, the interesting thing, you know, thing about restaurants like Bay Barrier North or even like PB Donuts, right. Who will rotate their menu, but have like some key fundamentals, Mm -hmm. right. So like North almost always has Brussels sprouts, yeah, but they're always like, 
it's like the, they're trying out different versions of them. Yeah. So I think the most recent one was like with macadamia nuts and some other stuff. And then mm-hmm. Bayberry did a Brussels sprouts dish recently that had Cheeto dust on them. Oh, baby. Right. It was <laughs> absolutely delicious. I'm talking delicious. about, yeah. Um, Is it but, hot in here? <laughs> Becoming <laughs> verklempt. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, PV donuts, it's like, you know, the brioche donut mm-hmm. is sort of the, the canvas. And yeah. Mm-hmm. They sort of build on that. But, um, you know, kind of thinking about like, you know, the, there are... I think you're absolutely right, right? Like there are these like these trends, right? That are are coming and can kind of be distracting, I think, for some business owners and, mm-hmm. you know, make it difficult to kind of build the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's these opportunities to just like, you know, we know we can go to Bayberry and get a steak. It's just sometimes yeah. that steak's going to be, you know, with different, you know, yeah. accoutrements. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's always, it's yeah, always you, you can always get a charcuterie board from there, right? right? But yeah. every, every time I've gone in there, different sauces, something's different, different on mustard. that board. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Probably three or four of the items are, are different. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's the same and yet it's, it's still vastly different all the time. What are you going to do with the, the food truck? Oh, once. food truck's going to keep rolling. Yeah. We might, we might slightly rebrand it, sure. but, but no, the, the food trucks, you know, I have a mobile manager who, who he'll keep doing the food trucks, the, the pop-up, you know, this year we, I would say on the weekends, we're probably 70% full through December on, on our weekends. So That's we're doing crazy. a lot wow. of weddings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we, yeah, we, we, a lot of the uh, Providence food truck events. So we'll be at food yeah. truck Friday every other week. Um, we're waiting to hear back from, but I believe we are going to be about every other week at the, uh, Hope street market outdoors with the food truck this year for the first time, which will be uh, pretty exciting. And, you know, PVD fest, uh, Newport folk fest. Um, you know, we're actually also getting up into Boston and that's, you know, I guess I can share that here too, is my 2021 goal is to have a truck full time up in that, that region as well. Uh, so we, you know, we got into the greenway Yes. Rose Kennedy Greenway Park uh, vending program. So hometown Poke did it last year mm. and said, "Yeah, you've you've got to do it." Yeah. So so I went up there and had the meeting, pitched the waffles, and so we got in on you know we're doing one morning Dewey Square, one uh, every Wednesday at the Trillium Beer Garden, and then every wow. Thursday uh, by the Carousel. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> it's, a it's, it's uh, yeah we're gonna it's be uh, we're gonna be rocking and rolling this year. And uh, one one cool thing too in in that vein that we'll still keep doing, we're it, you know, on Sundays right now, we go around and we do our waffles at, at a lot of breweries and, and we kind of do a play a little play on, on brunch, but it's not really, we don't advertise it. I, I think correctly. So we're sort of resetting that for the summer and we're going to do a traveling brunch series at the brewery. So it's mm-hmm. not going to be as much, Hey, we're, you know, decentralized. Hey, this week we're a whalers this week. We're a sons of Liberty, but Hey, we have a traveling brunch series and then within that, we're going to be at these different different breweries. So so it'll be a little bit more creative. Yeah. Have a few guys try to get get the Benedicts going going again and things oh, man. like that. Yeah. Well, that's super wow. attractive Poaching too. Poaching eggs I on feel. a truck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but also like brunch is just. I don't know. I mean, brunch seems like such a popular thing in it's, Providence, it's and something I meal. love so deeply. Right. Yeah, it's the only <laughs> that, meal, JP. There's no other. Yeah. That's true. No I mean, if there was a yeah, I was, did you say traveling brunch? Is that your traveling brunch? Traveling program, brunch. Yeah. If I heard that, I'd be like, I will travel behind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like in a brunch caravan. <laughs> they're throwing they're throwing poached eggs out the yeah, window, and you're exactly. just like, <laughs> moving my head them. left and right, like I need to catch all the eggs. It's incredible. <laughs> I know. I guess the question is, what would be the brunch music? You like an ice cream truck, right? What would we play? That's the that's the question, guys. Oh, oh man, brunch yeah. music, Kesha, <laughs> Just, Kesha. It's always yeah. Kesha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Will the uh, will the food trucks stay with the waffle base, or will you also expand their menu? Uh, the food truck will will expand, or will expand. No, the food truck will remain mostly with the waffle base. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, makes sense. Will we ever have anything else that might replicate some other type of things? Sure. Um, that's a good question, but uh, yeah. you know, will will we ever? You know, when we when we test out our uh, our pasties, or if you're familiar with the English I love pasties, pasties. If when when we when we do those, okay, is that something that we could take on a truck? I don't know. The, the, that, those are one of the sort of yeah. keep in the idea box. Yeah. Um, you know, for for something that 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 we rotate around that just right. catches wildfire or lightning in a food bottle, right. and and we do do full time. Who knows? But. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely have them at the at the cafe. Pacey, I'm so you you just I've like I'm I'm in a, <laughs> my mind is swirling. Any I've only been to England, I guess two. I've only been two times, mm-hmm. but the second time I went back, I like 
I just had to have pasties because yeah. the first time I went with my wife and I was just like, these are incredible. I oh, love so these. Great, these are right? so good. And I, I was there for like a conference or something and I just like found random places I could mm-hmm. every day to just find pasties. Yes. So, yes. And um, I don't know if you've heard about, apparently there's a deep seated fight quote unquote yeah. between corn Cornish pasties and, mm. uh, Dover. I think something okay, like that. Yeah. There's, there's two. I believe it's Dover and Cornwall okay. that have this like, no, these are pasties. No, these are pasties. I think I've only had the Cornish ones. Oh. Yeah. 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 What are you going to say? A Cornish for sure. Cornish, yeah. 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 Especially if my, if my good buddy in England, Paul, uh, Phil ever, ever hears this, yeah. he'll, uh, he'll be very upset very... if I say anything. <laughs> shout other out to than, Phil. Yeah. Shout out to you, Phil. Oh, <laughs> oh man. You have this, uh, it's a, contagious enthusiasm for food have you always been this like excited and into food your whole life or did this develop along the way uh thank you for that i appreciate that um i would say it's always been around uh you know so i i grew up you know my my mom cooked quite a bit and then her mother she her mother was one of nine you know and they were a a german farming family in the dakotas and they they moved out to idaho Mm -hmm. before my mom was born but she, she loved to cook mm. and later in life. So my, my, my mom, uh, built her a house. So she, she was by herself. So she built her a house next door, a smaller house. And my grandmother would come over all the time with, she'd watch the cooking shows. Like, Hey, I, I tried this. I saw this on the cooking oh show gosh. and yeah. she just bring food over and she would submit recipes to the local paper to where the, the, uh, one of the editors who, who did specifically the food section came to her 90th birthday party because she, <laughs> she oh had submitted so many recipes. So it was, it there was always this love of, of food from scratch and mm. everything was very much about love and family through food. I think that's why mm. that's always been there for me mm-hmm. is, is, you know, our family, whatever else was happening, you sit down, we're sitting down at the table and we're, mm. we're eating dinner and we're connecting as a family. Yeah. We're trying new things. You eat what's in front of you, you know, that, that type of just understanding and environment. And so yeah. I think as I grew up and I started traveling and then, and then of course the European way around food and just how significant it is in culture mm. and its history. I think all of those things have just sort of developed in me, maybe not necessarily that I could have pointed my finger on sure. during that time, but looking back, it's like, yeah, this is, this is what has sort of built me up. And because I have zero allergies, I eat like a fat kid, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I will go anywhere and I will eat just about anything, you know, Guinea pig in Peru. I don't know yeah, if you had that, but I did. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll eat those things and it's just such an experience yeah. to, mm-hmm. to do it. And, and there's so much backstory to why this food is there in front of you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now are your kids into it too? Do they do they cook or have yeah. jobs in the kitchen? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, they they love cooking and being around the kitchen. My wife loves to cook as well, so yeah, uh, yeah they they get around and uh, it's it's fun. They like to come and help out and make the waffles sometimes oh, and nice. uh, cook at different different little events if if they're allowed, you know. So we'll right. we'll be there, give them a couple couple gloves and put the waffles on and nice. um, you know my my middle daughter she does a cooking class once a week at school wow. and uh, sometimes we'll you know my oldest daughter just woke up one day, like made this uh, apple crumble out of, it's like, who are you? <laughs> Where's you she's 11, apples? right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's when I was 11, 11 yeah. there was no, I was not doing any cooking. No. Yeah. What was, awesome. uh, how, yeah. how did you get them? I'm always curious about this. So we, my wife and I don't have kids, mm-hmm. but one of, one of the things that I never learned to do as a kid was cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can make sandwiches and put yeah. things in a toaster, but like mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't think I cooked my first meal until I was in college. Yeah. Like maybe even after <laughs> yeah. uh, that was any good. Um, but how, like, what do you do as a parent to get your kids like into it, like in a safe mm-hmm. way? Like, how do you, how do you, teach I mean, cooking? some of it is them just being around and wanting to mm. spend time with you. And so it's saying, okay, if we're going to do it, I've got to make dinner instead of, saying, all right, go, go watch TV, go do this. You know, we, we don't let them watch TV during the week uh, anymore. <laughs> this came about last year. It's like, you guys are turning into TV zombies, but <laughs> so we just said, you know, come along and help. And mm. it's, it's different for each kid and how they engage with that. Right. Yeah. One of them is like, I'm independent. I want to cook. Like, let me do this. The other one is sort of tentative, but wants to spend time with you. And so they'll sort of attach themselves to mom and dad's hobbies or, or what they're doing. And then all of a sudden they, they, feel this, uh, sense of pride whenever they make their own, you know, my middle daughter makes her own quesadillas and grilled cheeses and, and stuff like that. And, you know, she made the, the two of them made pancakes one morning by themselves. And, 
and I, I think it was just encouraging them and showing mm-hmm. them that there's a lot of creativity to be had in food and not mm-hmm. just something that we're doing because we have to, or to sit down. And so, you know, here's an outlet for you mm-hmm. to, to use your, your creativity or just, just to be independent that we're, we're giving you the leeway for, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think it's just, is a lot of it too, is probably just second nature, how we are as a, as a family. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we just, yeah. we all get into the kitchen and that's just, that's just what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Remember the first, my, my mother-in-law always tells a story of uh, a sandwich that one of her daughters made her at a, mm-hmm. a young age and they gave her this, uh, peanut butter, mandarin, and orange and bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just like his kids making wow. their own quesadillas <laughs> and apple crumbles or have you, uh, have you gotten them just, just real like, I, I guess I have to eat this now cause I'm dad. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, there probably was. Um, I, I would. I would have to dig into the memory bank for that. But you'll eat yeah. guinea pigs, so it's like, ah, eh, whatever. Yeah, it's exactly. Kinda, it's kind of yeah. like a, a, like a less chewy chicken. Almost. I don't know. That's how I would describe less guinea chewy chicken. Well, not not the chicken's chewy. I just remember being very soft. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Meat. Yeah. And the people we were with, like people from Cusco, were yeah. like. They're like, you gonna finish that? I was like, yeah. I'm not gonna eat the whole thing. They're like, oh, but like they just yeah. eat it up like crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, it was very good. But. That one, I I had to. It, it was uh, I went to this remote village where where they had like they they were still the the Quechua. Quechua is the the language of kind of the Incas, and okay. so so some of the more traditional tribes is still they don't really have a lot in terms of modern amenities mm-hmm. or anything, and they're still plowing with you know the guys behind. And yep. uh, so we went to this village to see see them, you know, weave blankets and, and do all these, these, these different things. And I got a, uh, I had a full cooked uh, guinea pig meal with nice. them. And it was, I mean, it was me and, and sort of my Peruvian tour guide and out in this remote village, mm. they didn't speak, they barely, their Spanish was, you know, average right. and, but it was, it was quite the experience, but you had to sit and just eat that, eat that mm. guinea pig. Yes. Yeah. And they did yes. it on the, like the steak thing. Oh yeah. They had it on the like, steak. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the face was sticking out yep. of the steak Yeah. It's with like the teeth. staring at you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. laid out. Yes. Oh, buddy. Yeah. It's a delicacy. Yeah. 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 Luckily they still, they, they had some uh, quinoa there and, and nice. uh, things on the side so I could sort sure. of push it. It wasn't terrible, but, but no. it was, it was a little unique eating yeah. that. And it's, yeah, yeah. They, they made me wear the hat and the, the big oh. like a uh, poncho thing. Oh. Yeah. And they, you know, they taught me this little birthday dance and, uh, they called me El Padrino <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. So like the little father. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It was a, like, I don't know. It was, it was a unique experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. El Padrino. Yes. Oh no, that'd be El Padrito. Yeah, I was like, I don't yeah. think that's right, but I'm yeah. just going to yeah. go with it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so Who how many else? languages do you speak? Obviously, Spanish is... I mean, average, you know, intermediate yeah. at, at best, uh, Spanish, yeah. and or I, I more understand Spanish. I can't really repeat it anymore because when I m- went to France, all of the french that i learned while i was there pushed all the spanish out yeah, yeah. and so every time i go to you know i've uh, like i told you i went around latin america central and south america a lot of, i mean hundreds of days down there and then i just went back to costa rica in november and i can understand the majority mm. of of what they're talking about but then i want to respond and out comes french that's like, right. oh no <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yes. French is different enough that yeah, if someone speaking Spanish like, probably isn't going to really understand yes, that. Yeah. Yes. Que quieres masa? We. Oui. Ah, no, that's not it. <laughs> no, we. Oui. We oui is not used in, yeah. in Costa Rica. <laughs> what led to your love of uh, travel? When did you? So you became a, a product manager for a tour company. Yeah. In 2014, yeah. but you left the military. So you I left of, the military. Yeah. Okay, so you did yeah. a lot of traveling in the military. Is that? I did. I mean, yeah. so I, I lived in France when I was in the military. Okay. Um, okay. But even before that, I don't. I don't know what it was. I think that was always just my personality. Of, mm. you know, I grew up in Idaho and had a great family and had a you know played sports and went to school and mm. had a you know almost 4.0 and just kind of that typical suburban outside of a you know semi decent sized city and. But I always wanted to get out. I always wanted to, mm. to just see things. I mean, we would mm. hop in the car and we'd go to the Dakota, Dakotas and visit family. We'd go up to Seattle. Mm. We'd go to California and go to Disneyland. You know, we, we, but it was all car trips. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we rarely flew. But I just, like, I always wanted to go mm. and see the world and see things. And so, you know, I, going to Europe was always on my mind. Mm. 
And especially once I joined the military and found out I could live in Europe and there were a lot of bases, you mm-hmm. know, we, uh, that, that was always on the forefront. And, uh, so, so we, I want to say it was the first two weeks my wife and I were married mm-hmm. and I came home and there was this sort of incentives contract that was put out for, for captains to stay in a little bit longer. I was already planning on it. And one of them was, you get to choose your, your, your own post if it's available. So, yeah. wow. so I came home and two weeks, right? Two weeks married. I said, Hey, uh, so this came, this came out. Um, <laughs> we're going to go to the Netherlands. Okay. <laughs> and she's like, what? I don't want to move to Europe. Yeah. I was like, Oh, by the way, have I told you we've all, I've always wanted to live in Europe. And right. So, uh, long story short, it, we, we sort of through roundabout, you know, a few months found out we're pregnant. The next day we find out my position in the Netherlands is lost. And then they oh. offer me the choice of Poland, France, or go to Iraq for 15 months. Whoa. Not a hard decision to make yeah. on that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But That's good you had a choice. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But I think, I think, too, whenever I got back from France, I mean, I loved it. We traveled all over. You know, we took mm. our... our daughter i mean every she was she hit 15 countries in 13 months you know we wow. would drive you know hop in just fly to prague and just drive hit like six countries and yeah. when i came back i i was really really craving that lifestyle again i was like i'm living i'm getting in my car and driving every single place that i go i don't get to walk out my door mm. and and that's what sort of drove me to the tourism industry mm. um and and so i got a job there but then i i finally realized you know i need to it's time for me to be my own boss. Yeah. Yeah. And food yeah. is the answer for that. And food yeah. is the answer. Exactly. I mean, mm. I would really try while I was there too to incorporate food in that. Uh, you know, I actually random side note, I went to get my start, my master's of gastronomy at, uh, at Boston university. Wow. I only took one class. Yeah. It was the culture and cuisine of Quebec. And in that was an eight day tour where we met with restaurateurs. We met with this Jeez. famous chef, uh, Norman Laprise, who's the godfather of Quebecois cuisine. Mm. It was just, it was absolutely fantastic. We went to the cideries. We went to a, a, a shared kitchen where the charcuterie company, like the woman was just crying about how passionate she was about Jeez. treating animals right and the product that she was making. And, and, and that, that was like, man, I want to create these experiences for other people. So mm. every time, every tour that I, that I planned, it was all about food tours, you know, truffle hunting and, and, uh, goat cheese making in France, you know, in Provence, like that's one yeah. thing I, I added or go to Arcachon and, and get oysters out of the sea. And mm. yeah. Yeah. So it's just always been that like this food and this travel and seeing new things and experiencing new things and probably maybe a little restless restlessness of, mm. Once, once there's a routine, it's like, all right, I got to go. I got to figure out, figure out the next thing or the new thing. That makes sense. I feel like earlier on when my wife and I would travel, we were more afraid because it was just like, you know, language barrier and going to restaurants, but food's definitely more and more become a component of when we go. Cause it's just so incredible. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, needing to be your own boss. Mm-hmm. Like, is that restlessness kind of the fuel for that? Or is there, you know, something in you that says like, if I get to do it, it'll be different and especially impactful or what's what's kind of the thinking behind you know wanting to do your own thing yeah that's no that's a that's a really good question uh i i I honestly i've tried to sort of self-diagnose that as well sometimes and i don't know if i've landed on on the exact answer i think i don't don't know if it's it's growing up in in idaho in a small town i don't know if it's you know i'm the oldest kid so i so it wasn't like i was trying to find follow a path of of somebody or trying to break away from an older sibling path uh i i feel like my parents unintentionally gave me this tool or this desire just to be my own person and you know now my mom's like you're across the country and i'm in idaho and then i miss you and you know miss you too mom if you're listening (laughs) but (laughs) Shout out for the moms. <laughs> but I I think even from such a young age, it was just, I always wanted to create my own path. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, mm. but every time somebody either tells me that I can't do something, I want to prove them wrong. Mm. Or if I see everybody going one way, then I'm going to go another way. And so, you know, most of my 
high school classmates are kind of going, Oh, we're, yeah, we're going to, to BYU. We're going to university of Idaho. We're going out to, you know, university of Oregon maybe. Mm. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'm going to San Diego. I'm out. Um, mm. I'm going to go live by the beach and play soccer and broke my knee. So that didn't work out, but, oh, no. um, <laughs> but you know, I went to San Diego and I lived there and then, and then nine 11 happened. Right. Yeah. And uh, well, I was, uh, in the beginning of my sophomore year and I said, man, I'm going to join the army. So wow. I called my mom one day and said, guess what? I joined the army. Like, what did you do? Sorry again, mom. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and yeah. so, you know, I went through ROTC and, and finished yeah. out college. And then, you know, of course, Iraq happens in 2003. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, you're literally joining while two wars are going on. Mm. I'm like, I don't know what else, what else to do. I mean, you know, I want to stay in San Diego. I want to be here for school. I, I, I just... I don't know. It, it was it was just this other path that nobody else that I knew was doing, and so mm-hmm. I decided, well, this is this is the path for me. And mm-hmm. same thing. I mean, everybody in the military that that I knew, all all my friends had a very kind of traditional path that they did. And I mean, after my first three years, I said, I'm going to Europe, but like, I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to kind of get over there. Mm. And then I came back and, and I did a different thing. And, and, you know, it just, it was always in that, uh, in, in my mind of wanting to start a business, wanting to do something that's myself. I always sort of have felt that, that pressure of when, when there's something that I believe in, or I want to do, and I'm not allowed to, mm. that really frustrates me. And so for good or for bad, for success or failure, if I can be the one that's, that's driving that, that's just something I've always had in me that, that I'm, I'm the one that's, that's writing my, my story and I'm an mm. extreme optimist. Right. So I, everything's going to work out. Right. I mean, <laughs> because it is, because I'm willing it to be so, right. Mm. You know, and I, I think that's, I don't know if that answers the why necessarily, but certainly well, gets at it, a yeah. story of, of, of how I've sort of realized that's, that's my natural inclination. There's a, there's a book I've been reading by this guy, Ben Horowitz. He's a Silicon Valley investor, entrepreneur, startup guy. Um, it's, a, it's called What You Are is What You Do. And it's a really interesting book. He's kind of sort of writing it from this perspective you know, of seeing a lot of businesses succeed and, and that sort of thing. But the book's not about internet startups. Um, he, he recognized a quality in himself, which... I'm starting to notice in the more folks that we talk to who start their own thing of this, like almost contrarian worldview. It's like the world is going this way. I, there's something that like chafes a lot of entrepreneurs about that. And they're like, what if I went the other way? At one point I remember scratching on a book of, uh, you know, as I was getting ready to get out of the military career path, right? Different things. And one of them I wrote down was food Sherpa. Food Sherpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, kid you not, wrote yeah. down food Sherpa. I don't yeah. know if I saw that somewhere or if right, I just sort right. of connected the dots. But, yeah. but yeah, taking people that, 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 you know, a lot of people want to be shown something. They want to mm. lead, you know, have somebody lead them somewhere unique that they just wouldn't expect. And, mm. and so if somebody's willing to blaze that, that path for yeah. them, you know, and, and that's a, you know, I would much rather blaze it than, than be the one trying to follow behind because I don't know, again, what it is, but I feel a little, not suffocated, but, but I just feel more, more pressure when, when I'm following along in what's already being done rather mm. than kind of creating that, that sort of newness or, or even if it's just the illusion of, of something different. And what, what does it do for you to be able to have that as a choice? Like how are, how are you impacted or affected by it? Like, what does it open up for you? I mean, it, it really gives me a lot of purpose. I, I think it gives me personal purpose quite a bit, um, as a father, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can every single day talk to my girls about, listen, we all know in this house, there are tough days in, in this business and times that I just, my, I'm pulling my hair, my hair out. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I paying so much taxes or, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, trying to keep up with the countless catering emails that we get and things, but you also see what it means to live out a dream. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that nobody's going to tell you that you can't do it. If, or you can only not do it if, if you believe that message, right? If, yeah. if you believe you can do something, you know, I mean, that's the name of the podcast, right? Then <laughs> don't worry about that. If you have a dream yeah. and you work hard enough for it because it is hard work, mm-hmm. something will come that's much more rewarding than ever following the path. And I, I think that's one of the biggest things for me is there's so much mm-hmm. reward in that. And there's so much more ability and responsibility that, that I'm able to to have for myself. And I'm also able to give back to the, to my community, to, to Mm. different people that I wouldn't have otherwise. Right. If so, I, so I see a problem, right. One of the big problems we have is job, you know, 
unemployment, health care. Yeah. So I look at that and say, well, yeah, I could yell at the government to try to fix it or I could fix it. Right. The collection of businesses, we could fix this. Right. So finding a way to provide health care, to provide jobs for people. I mean, things like that. It's just it's such a great responsibility. It's a lot of heavy pressure. But the reward that comes from that is just it's incredible. So that's how I've I don't know if I've answered that question <laughs> correctly, but that's really what's come from from you know, following my own path. Are, are there any other books that you've read or people that you follow who, you know, have been really influential for you during this journey or even just life? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I always enjoy uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't agree with everything uh, that, mm. that he says. He says a lot. He says a lot, <laughs> but I, I think just the hustle and not worrying about what other people say and just, I think there's a message that he said, I mean, way back in the day, I think when he was doing wine library, maybe, but, mm. but the thing that you're better than you think you are. Yeah. Mm. And that has stuck with me so many because the more I meet other entrepreneurs, you know, I talk with Tom from Bayberry and Paul and Lori. And when I talk with them, I mean, we all sometimes go, you know, Chris from Providence Bagel. From the outset, you look and you're like, these people are wildly successful. You talk JC from Trillium, they're printing money. They're wildly successful. And that you talk to them, they're like, man, these are one of those days where I just, I don't know what I'm doing or, or I, mm. I feel so completely inadequate to every single person on this team that I'm supposed to be leading. And it's just that you're, you're better than, than you're sometimes telling yourself. And then also, I think, you know, Gary, Gary always says just the, the biggest thing that separates the successful entrepreneurs and the people that are not are just that inability to give up, right? If you just keep going and keep hustling, keep working at, at it, find the people around you, you're going to be successful. And, and I, that's that, uh, those messages have really stuck with me. Um, outside of that, you know, you know, I, I read a lot of Inc magazine and fast company. I, I wouldn't say I have like one, one person, a lot of it has been other business owners and, and people that, that I've talked to, you know, Nick Raybar's always, always, you know, lent a, a helping word or a kind word, um, reaching out to other, other businesses. But one of the things I've loved about this area, the, the Providence, Rhode Island area is all the small businesses seem to be so incredibly supportive of one another and almost open book, like to where, you know, I've talked to other, other businesses that are going on in Boston. They said, what do you mean you guys are helping each other and having, having meetings or, or discussing these problems and just no, no finances, nothing required. We want to help you out. That's, that's really, I think, incredibly unique to this area. And that's been a big success point uh, for, for me. Oh, for sure. I mean, every business, every restaurant that we've interviewed, they're always collaborating with someone else in Providence. And yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it makes it feel like no one's against anyone else. There's got to be someone out there, but we haven't found it yet. <laughs> I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I just want to reiterate is, is, you know, as, as we, we sort of look at the Burgundian that over the next few years, I mean, you, you, I think it'll be a really interesting study from the outset on watching a startup brand that, that sort of, I wouldn't say stumbled into the waffle game, but almost went so full into it that, you know, the name and the product became far too associated. And mm. so, so you're going to see how a company hopefully successfully sort of, you know, at, at the early stages of business and in, in its third year sort of dis, you know, disassociate or unattach those things yeah. and sort of evolve and grow a brand and start trying to push a lifestyle mm. because, you know, the Burgundian has been used for in Belgium for centuries to mean someone who loves food and drink in both quality and quantity yeah. and very communal. And so we're going to retry to, to bring the brand back up to that level. It was always intended to be. Uh, and then just waffles are just one of the, one of the parts of it. So I, I think that's uh, it should be an interesting, interesting few years. That'd be great. Well, if anybody can do it, you, it's you. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you, Shane, so much for coming on. It was a yeah, pleasure Yeah. Thanks to talk for having me guys. Thank Appreciate you. it.